Mike. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Kevin. Good to see you again. This time we uh, try something a little new in our recording techniques here, right? Yeah, we're doing this remotely. Listen, you know, we talked a few episodes ago. We talked with Carrie Johnsrud, who was your vocalist, the vocalist on your recording of. Well, she was she was a full full partner, you know. Right, Uh, and and you guys put this whole program together to to explain that to anyone who uh, is not familiar with that situation. Kevin and has had a long time. Uh, admiration for uh, Fred Rogers. Uh, now we've talked about in our episodes about uh, the American Songbook. We've talked about Richard Rogers, but this time we're talking about Fred Rogers. And Fred Rogers, of course, right, right. was uh, Mister Rogers of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. And probably what very few people know. Um, is that he wrote all of the music that he sang on those shows, on those episodes. You know, if if you grew up watching Mr. Rogers, which, which millions of people did, uh, you probably look back at that music or at that show and say, well, yeah, I kind of remember those songs, but they were like little kids' songs, right? Well, but, I guess I think that's what people think. That's not the case, is it? Well, you know, the, it, it really isn't. And, and the important thing to know about Fred Rogers is that um, he got his degree in music at first. He met his wife at music school in Florida. And uh, his his first true love was, was music. I mean, deeply so. And he kind of put that on the back burner to become an advocate for children's education on the new medium of public television. You know, he wanted there to be good quality education there for kids. He almost viewed television as a threat and something that he wanted to, you know, to work with to to improve what kids were going to be consuming. And he was prescient about that because you just think about how much screen time children have today, even though it's not television, it's all translated into this kind of video medium. He had, he had some strong ideas about children's education that I think most people will, will mostly agree with. But one of them that translates to his music very well is he, he felt strongly that you shouldn't talk down to children. You should talk to them as, you know, as the little human beings they are. And because of this, the, uh, his songs are about topics that tend to be pretty universal to everyone, regardless of age. Um you know, he worked with a lyricist who, who did some of this stuff with him, but he was still in charge of the messaging, you know. Um, now, some of the songs, I mean, they're for kids. Like, there's a song that we liked the melody a whole bunch, but we didn't do because it was called Tree, Tree, Tree. And that was the only lyric. It just says Tree, Tree, Tree over and over and over again. But um, his lyricist, Jody Carey, they would come up with these songs together and, and target messages. Um Let's let's At- talk about that, if you will, Kevin. Let's talk about that. You mentioned uh, that you you didn't record that song, but right. Um, <laughs> what we haven't mentioned yet, and and I wanted to introduce into this conversation, of course, is your album Beyond the Neighborhood, which is the songs that you and Carrie picked up to record, and that album won many accolades 
including a couple of publications naming it in the top uh, among the top albums of the year yeah and the, the, been... the one i was the one i was most excited about was cadence magazine which is a long-running publication that covers improvised music you, you know that one's a little more exclusive and for them to pick as one of the top 10 albums of that year which was we released in 2019 they might have picked it for 2020 though i don't remember but we released it late in 2019 you know, that, that was that was good for us. You, you know, the funny thing, Mike, is that when Carrie and I started this project, we had already done a couple of other things together of just original music. And we we had already discovered that we enjoyed working together and that we, we liked similar things mu- musically. And then we just, by happenstance, discovered that we both loved the music of Fred Rogers, which is kind of a niche. You know, if you, if you didn't grow up with it or haven't been exposed to it, most people would not associate it necessarily with adult music much less with jazz but um we both shared that and this was before the um the documentary came out or the movie featuring tom hanks playing fred rogers we didn't know that that step was coming up we knew that the um the his um anniversary of his show was coming up um and that we you know we wanted to celebrate that but we we just decided to research to see what songs were available. And even going all the way to the Fred Rogers archives, we discovered they only had three or four of his songs available, which was which was kind of astonishing. So we formed this nice idea that we thought fed in well with with Fred himself, which is we wanted to document a bunch of the songs that I wrote that people didn't know about. Well, kind of well, the highlight. Let me okay. ask you about that, Kevin. How did sure. you find those songs? And not so much how did you decide which ones, but gee, how did you dig those up? Where, what did you do to be able to get access to uh, his songbook, if you will? Well, at, at one point, we actually went to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, outside Pittsburgh. Uh, where his archives are, and went there to look for him. But th- that was after we did all this other work, which was basically, let's see if we can find the episodes online. I mean, it's the 21st century, and everything's streaming. But it's funny, um, a, a lot of his episodes are available online, but they're organized in very unusual ways. And the the, the episodes are numbered, but they're not packaged in order. And the, the main source we found them was, was through Amazon. They, they have them. You can, you can purchase them for streaming or you can buy them on DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just started pouring through those, looking for them. And that's when we discovered about the operas. I did not know he wrote 13 operas that are represented as week-long story arcs during his show. He would take the entire week, Monday through Friday, and and make the whole thing one opera over one topic. He did 13 wow. of those. And we were only able to find um, four of those actual footage. Um, over Since we've done the album, a little bit more has been coming out, but it's still hard to find. And very little of this music was published. So uh, we actually just, I found it in the, in the episodes and then transcribed them. Wow. So uh, it, it, there, that would indicate that there's 
not a lot of other recordings out of, out there of Fred Rogers music. Well, there, there's a few. There's one that was done in um, the seventies, which is hard to take. It's kind of like his most popular songs done over some disco beats. Uh oh. <laughs> you, you you know. Um, there have been one or two things. Fred Rogers himself released some of his music in the 70s, and his pianist Johnny Costa did a recording of some of the songs there. But, you know, we really wanted the words as well. So, you know, we we the, our process was I went through and found all the ones I liked. Carrie found all the ones she liked. And then we took the ones that we agreed upon that we both liked and then, and then you know, set up the recording day and we worked out some arrangements together and then in the studio organically we hired two of our favorite musicians billy thornton on bass and marlon Patton on drum and uh, drums and we we made it where we collaborated together very much like a neighborhood you know we're each contributing our parts which is uh-huh. such a jazz thing and you, you know part of the idea here is uh, is you know i i grew up not watching fred rogers but my first year of college, I was homesick with mononucleosis for many weeks and um, discovered that the jazz pianist on the Fred Rogers show was amazing. This guy named Johnny Costa. And he he was a jazz musician. And of course, I had seen the show as a child, but it wasn't like one of my favorites. But, you know, I also grew up in a period where, where Eddie Murphy kind of satirized his show on Saturday Night Live, which... I think Fred Rogers went through a very uncool phase right when the his his reputation was uncool kind of during I was a you know young adolescent so I kind of missed that but discovering that he had a jazz trio that accompanied every episode and that they played completely th- different things every time was the beginning of my interest in him and then finding out that Fred had written all the music that that made it even more interesting there. So there's this connection with jazz directly related to the show and his ideas about neighborhoods and how people work. And a lot of people will ask me what jazz is. And I, some people will describe it as democracy, but I'm starting to like this term neighborhood so much better because uh, it involves everyone working as good neighbors with each other in order to create great, you know, to, in order to create art, really. And the the best of the Fred Rogers episodes musically usually involved him asking the children if they want to go over to the music store with him. And when he gets there, there's a bunch of musicians in the back room having a jam session. Um, some of those episodes is just the musicians on the show who played there for him. But sometimes he had favorite famous guests like Sonny Rollins or Mary Lou Williams went to Marcellus, Branford Marcellus. At one point, he has all of the Marcellus family there at once. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma, Joshua Bell. There's a long list of favorite musicians, famous musicians who would show up on the show. Um, there's a clip of Mary Lou Williams teaching Fred Rogers how to scat sing. Um, there, it just showed up on YouTube, and it's terrible quality. I would, I've been trying to find the entire episode. I know the episode number, but it's not available anywhere and and working with the archives we could probably go there and get but they're gonna have to dig it out of out of uh film and other resources that they have it on you know Uh, that's another aspect of this album that i think people might say well okay so he wrote some 
songs that we thought were children's songs, but they are more broadly applicable than that. But jazz, you were able to turn them into jazz. And, and the arrangements on your album, Beyond the Neighborhood, are in, incredibly uh, refined jazz music. Well, you know what we did is, you know, we would we would take a song. I'd have a basic idea for it, and then I would say to Billy, you know, we want this to have kind of a groovy bass line. Can you make up like a Billy line? And he would try <laughs> that, and and we would say yes or no. But then Marlon would say, wait a second, try it this way, and suddenly would turn it into something. And once we had it, we built everything on this. So it, it really was a collaborative project on all of this stuff. And um, we didn't do more than two takes of anything. I think most of the things on the album are the first take because it was just when you work so cooperatively with others, not only in music, right? Uh, but <laughs> in music, it's amazing the magical things that happen that are really greater than the individuals. And to me, this is the epitome of what jazz is about. It's, you don't have one composer dictating everyone exactly what to do. Don't get me wrong. I love Western European classical music. I do. But this American thing that's in jazz music in which the belief that four people working democratically like neighbors can really create fine art is really an enthralling thing to participate in. Mm. You know, there's nothing like having great neighbors. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, Kevin, um, I, I've been to a couple of the performances of your uh, group of, of these songs. Um, and I must say that the ones I've attended have been sold out, packed uh, auditoriums or outdoor venues. Um, do you have any uh, plans to continue to perform the music of Fred Rogers? Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're we're working on a second second project, and you know I mentioned that we had been out to the uh, to the archives uh, in Latrobe, and if, if we had been talking to them on the phone, and they had not been able to find the music. We just happened that when we were there uh, the second time, they had found a box of his music that had been mislabeled and misstoraged. And we got to be the first person's people to go through this box of all his handwritten music, each in a little folder. It was amazing. I've got a picture of it. Uh, it was exciting, like finding treasure or something to see yeah, his actual really. handwriting, his notes. We, we even found a string quartet that he had written in there. Um, so we've decided to do a second project uh, of other songs, and we're kind of working on that right now. And we don't force it. We're going to wait till the music happens, and when that does, we'll start performing again. You, you, you know, it's 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 convenient that you brought this topic up today because I did a, a, a interview on um, South Carolina Public Radio, the same place where uh, Mary McPartman did her shows with the same producer. Uh, we recorded this oh quite a while back, but they just aired it last night. I just got the text message wow. yesterday saying that they were finally airing. It's all about the music of Fred Rogers. Um, I it aired last night at eight p.m. I'm sure they're going to show it again. But what, what I want to say about this has been interesting is that when we did this project, we didn't know the movie was coming out or any of this stuff. We were just thinking it'd be nice if someone documented his shows. 
And then, of course, you release a CD and you want to perform it. And um, we did have a hard time booking it at first because most people would just automatically dismiss it as a children's show. Right. But what has been really um, enriching for my life is that when we have done it um, for adults, how positive, what kind of positive feelings it leaves everyone there involved, the staff and the audience and us. And it's, it's just great to be involved in music that is about improving people's lives in some way, you know, and, and, and Fred's the perfect guy for this. So we've discovered we have an audience for this because people come to it and then they come, they come away feeling better about things. And uh, that's really what music should be for. You know, I think you just uh, wrapped up this episode with, as we like to do, the lesson learned. 